Mark chapter number 9. Mark chapter number 9. We're going to start in verse number 1. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, uh, that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death, to have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days, Jesus take with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he transfigured before them. And his raiment became shiny, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. And suddenly, when they had looked around about, they saw no man anymore save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, they charged them that they should tell no man what things they have seen till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. And they kept that saying with themselves, questioning one with another what the rising from the dead should mean. And they asked them, saying, what say the scribes that Elias must, come, uh, must first come? He answered and told them, Elias verily cometh first and restoreth all things. And how it was written of the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be set at naught. But I say unto you that Elias is indeed come. And they have done unto him whatsoever they listed as it is written of him. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for another time to be in your house. And thank you for the beautiful sunshine. And Lord, I pray this morning as we come that our hearts will be open to your word. And Lord, we live in a busy life and busy times. Lord, help us to calm our minds and our souls now to, with your help to focus upon your word. And Lord, help us to follow you. I pray these things in your holy and precious name. Amen. So the previous chapter, latter part of chapter 8, Jesus had talked to his disciples and they were really upset about the things he told them. He told them that he was going to die and he was going to rise again. That, that was game changers for them. Like, what are you talking about, Lord? That's not what we had. This is a major blow to their system. This, this is not part of their theology. This wasn't part of their, 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 the philosophy of their life. They had left every aspect of life to follow Jesus thinking, this is what they're thinking, that he would, or expecting Jesus to destroy the Romans, to deliver Israel, and to reestablish the kingdom. That was their, their thought pattern. Now Jesus is telling them, no, that's not what it is, and it's not cheap to follow me. You have to be committed. And the first verse of Mark chapter 9, it's still a continuation of verse 38. And uh, Jesus tells them that he's going to die and he's going to raise again and, and that some of them here uh, would see uh, the power of his glory uh, coming uh, uh, verse latter power, verse number one, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. He kind of softens the blow because they were really demoralized. This was not what they were thinking. Telling them that they'll enjoy his glory in, in the future. Uh, i got some great news for us this morning. There's a better day coming, amen? If we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's a better world for us. A world where there is no sickness. No more aches and pains. Now, I went and saw an eye doctor this week, and uh, she was 
you know, tested my eyes and things. And she said, well, a couple more years, you're going to need the bifocals. I'm like, what? And she said, yeah. She goes, 40. I said, you don't have to tell anything else. After 40, it all went downhill, it seems. My knees hurt every day. My arms are hurting. And, you know, just we get old, right? And you're like, you're not old, Pastor Alcock. Don't even complain. But our bodies wear down, don't they? They certainly do. And there's sickness, but in heaven there is none. Amen? No more sickness. A world will glorify the Lord with the saints of God, with the redeemed forever. Now, some people really have a problem, verse number one of this chapter. Liberals try to tell us that Jesus is talking about his second coming in this verse. And they said that Jesus made a mistake and that he was wrong when he said what he said here. Jesus was not talking about his second coming. He is talking about the transfiguration that we'll look at in a moment. And Jesus did not make a mistake. Neither has he ever will make a mistake or ever has made a mistake. He is sinless. If you read any books, you hear any radio program or watch something on YouTube or wherever it is, and they say Jesus made a mistake, turn it off. It's wrong. It's not biblical. It's antichrist because Jesus is the perfect, sinless Lamb of God. He was taking this opportunity to encourage His discouraged and confused disciples. Number one is a place. Verse number two of this chapter here. A place. Number one. The passage opens with the reference of a mountain here in verse number two. And after six, Jesus taketh with Him Peter and James and John and leadeth them into a high mountain. Now, the mountain is not specifically told us, but... I think uh, the scholars are right that it's Mount Hermon. Uh, it's uh, a mountain that rises over 9,000 feet above sea level. That's a big hill. It's a mountain. It's massive. It's, uh, it's about 12 miles north of Caesarea Philippi. That's near the place where Jesus had been ministering. It makes total sense that this would be the high mountain. Uh, I, I checked this out this week. I'm doing some research. And uh, Mount Hermon has snow up there all year round if it didn't get really hot in that part of the world. I mean, just think about it. It's hot there all the time, in our opinion. But there's snow up on that top of that mountain. You know, I mean, it's a long ways. It's it's 9,000 feet. I think the Nair Escarpment is like 2,000 feet above sea level. It, that jumps up. So double and triple and, you know, whoa, 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 way up. I mean, it's a high mountain, Mount Hermon. Mountains occupy a special place in the Word of God. Mount Sinai, uh, Sinai, that God handed down His law to Moses in Exodus chapter 19. Mount Carmel, where God demonstrates in great ways that He is God. There with uh, uh, Elijah. Uh, Mount Calvary, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And Mount of Olives, Jesus ascended back into heaven. Now, I mean, a lot of great things when you think about mountains. Mountains occupy a special place in our own lives as well. I'm not talking about climbing mountains, but just think of those mountaintop experiences. You know, we, I hope you have some. I hope you have some where you say, man, the Lord provided an amazing way. He blessed us in an amazing way. I was thinking about it this uh, week. You know, we have our valleys, you know, our hardships, and uh, we have suffering and sickness and problems. But praise God for those mountaintop events in our lives. Hey, becoming pastor of MIBC was a mountaintop experience. Amen? Mary, my wonderful wife, having four awesome children. They're all mountaintop experiences. And they're great. And, and it's great to sit back and say, thank you, Lord, for those things. I did not deserve them. Thank you for them. 
Thank you for those high mountains that you allow us to have. So this is where Jesus brings his, his uh, three men uh, as they go uh, from the crowd, from the other disciples, to a place, the high mountain. A people, that's the, the next one, is Peter, James, and John. They're mentioned here. But he had 12 disciples, right? The Lord had 12 disciples at this time. Uh, why, why weren't the other nine with him? I don't really have a definite answer for you. But it's clear in Scripture that these three men will become preeminent leaders in the early church. They, they were uh, spearheading the movement of the Christianity and, uh, and telling others and helping establish churches. Perhaps this, this witnessing these events uh, will be in preparation for them in the place of leadership they would take later. I'm, I mean, that, that's the way I look at it. Of course, this isn't the first time that Jesus singled out these three men for special time in ministry, nor would it be the last time he would do so. The first time he took the three men and he went with Jairus to raise his daughter, Jairus' daughter from the dead, Mark chapter 5. He, he singled them out, takes them a little deeper with him when he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane the night before he went to the cross in Mark chapter 14. These, these men were privileged to see things that the other disciples would not. Now, we know that God is no respecter of persons. He loves everyone in this room the same. He simply means that He does not prefer one person above another. That's what that verse means in Romans chapter 2, verse 11. No respecter of persons. God doesn't play favorites among His people. And we, we've, all, we've all said that, right? You're the teacher's favorite. Yeah. That person likes you more than me. If we, if we have not said it, maybe we're the ones who feel that we are the favorites, all right? Whatever the case. God does not love one of His children any more than another. But you know what? Some children simply are closer to Him than others. Because you're the one who determines how close you are to God. You're the one who determines that. I don't determine that. Your wife doesn't determine that. Your kids don't determine that. You're the one who determines how close you'll get. We're all as close to God as we desire. James 4.8, draw nigh unto God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Do you ever wonder why some people seem so full of love of the Lord? They seem so ready to worship and praise His name. Do you ever wonder what their secret is? Are you ready for it? There is no secret. Those people have made up their minds to live close to the Lord. That's what it is. That's not a secret. I can't write a book about it. It's just the reality of it. They have chosen to be closer. And it makes sense. You know, last week, uh, I think it was last Sunday night, my son Matthew came to me. He's not in here. He gets really embarrassed when I mention his name. So don't tell him I said his name in here. Okay. And... He, he came up to me and he was really holding on and, and he wanted to tell me something. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're hustling around and you feel this weight in your leg. And, and I remember Mahalia saying to me, treasure this, Pastor. They soon won't do that anymore. And she's right. And, uh, but, you know, he did that because he wanted to tell me something. Me rushing around, I wouldn't hear his voice with everybody else's voice. He was getting hold of me to tell me something. I think he wanted candy, if my memory serves me correct, but... He was trying to tell me something. And he knew that sitting in here and yelling at me over there wasn't going to work. So he said, I'm going to go to my dad. Hey, Christians, we need to get close to the Father. And we need to get a hold of Him. 
We need to be close to Him. We need to draw nigh unto Him. And you know when you get draw nigh unto Him, you'll hear that still small voice. God's not yelling. He wants you to come alongside with Him, you know, and be close, and then you get a greater heart for God, and you'll hear the leading of the Lord in your life so much better than if you're far, far away. Only makes sense. Are you doing it? Are you spending time closer? Are you drawing nigh unto God? That was the people that was with them. The appearance. So they climb up the top of Mount Hermon and would have taken a better part of the day. Uh, remember, it's 9,000 plus feet tall. I think it's 9,200 feet tall. And Luke, in his account of this event, tells that Jesus began to pray when they arrived at the top of the mountain. That's in Luke chapter 9. And uh, the latter part of verse number 2 tells us, and he was transfigured before them. So as they get up there, they begin to pray. That's recorded for us in Luke chapter number 9. I would think the day is mostly gone. Like the, the daylight has vanished and the night sky has come. And uh, I have been on top of some mountains. I don't know if I've been on top as high as that. But I've been on some mountains at night and it feels like you almost can touch the stars. It's really, it's really nice. I, I love mountains. I, I love mountains. And, uh, you know, it's so, they're so, they seem so much closer and it's so beautiful. I mean, I don't know if it was a you know, clear night or anything, but it must have been nice. Being on a mountain is always nice for me. It must have been a, a wonderful time to be with the Lord. And then suddenly, he's transfigured. There, there's no, there's no scripture that says it took some time. He was changed. His face was changed in Luke chapter 9. His garments were changed in verse number 3. And his raiment became shining. He's transfigured. This word comes from the word metamorphosis. It's the same word used to describe as a, the changes a caterpillar goes through when it transfigures into a beautiful butterfly. In other words, Jesus changed forms. The glory that was concealed within Him was revealed all on that mountain. And now, this was not the first time that Jesus had experienced transfiguration. He was born in Bethlehem. That's a great transfiguration for He was in heaven. Came to earth. And now this moment, the, the glory inside bursts forth to the outside. And I would think that that dark mountain was shining like the sun that night, that evening. And the light was extremely bright. Anyone looking at Mount Hermon would have seen it. It would have been spectacular. It was a special presentation. It was a glimpse of the greatness of God. And when we get to heaven, we'll see Jesus in all His greatness, in all His glory. 1 John 3, 2 says, For we shall see Him as He is. Then Moses and Elijah appear. Verse number 4. And they start talking with Jesus. Verse number four says, and they're talking. They were talking with Jesus. In Luke chapter nine, we're giving a little bit more of the discussion point that was being talked about. And it was talking about his death. They talked about decease. They are talking about his impending death upon the cross. Now, why Moses and Elijah? Why not some other prophet or priest in the Old Testament? Moses and Elijah were preeminent individuals of the law and of the prophets. These men had come to represent the Word of God, and they spoke of the coming of the Word of God. Moses was the great lawgiver. Every Jewish individual would have known Moses. There's no way you didn't know about Moses. He was a great lawgiver. And Elijah, some say he was the greatest prophet. 
And he definitely was promoted in that day in Israel as the greatest prophet. And these men had come to encourage Jesus as he draws closer to Calvary, as he draws closer to his suffering. And these two men represent the two ways that people of God meet death. You know, Moses died. Right? Deuteronomy chapter 34. Elijah was taken alive into heaven. Uh, like Moses, many have and many will die. And like Elijah, some will be taken up to heaven to meet God in the rapture. Amen? It's a picture of two different ways. And all back to the Lord Jesus Christ. Like Moses and Elijah, regardless of how you leave this world, if you know the Lord, you will be with Him in His glory someday. Amen? It doesn't matter which, as long as you know Jesus. What a blessing. Now, Peter, James, and John had nodded off by now as they had walked up and they were tired and fell asleep. And then they are awakened by the supernatural light uh, that they see in Jesus, their friend, their leader. He was no longer the same. He was different now. And when he walked up the mountain with them just a little while ago, now he's shining brighter than the star. They're terrified. Verse number uh, 6, For which he not what to say? For they were sore afraid. I love reading the Bible. And I love reading about characters of the Bible that I can relate to. Because the men, the disciples of Jesus, are no different than any one of us sitting here today. Sometimes we read the Bible and we see these characters and we think that they were supernaturally indwelled by the Holy Spirit. They didn't make mistakes. Listen, this is a prime example right here that Peter and the other disciples are just like us. No different. And if anything, that's an encouragement to us because the Lord used them. He can use us too. All right? So Peter, he didn't know what to say. So he spoke anyway. <laughs> you know, that's what it says there. They didn't know what to say. For it's not what to say. So he recommends, when you really think about this, this is crazy. You know, he recommends, let's do a building program. Let's build three tabernacles up here. Let's do it. Uh, and, you know, and it's told us that he wasn't thinking straight. And, you know, one for you and Lord and one for Moses and one for Elijah. And whatever Peter's motives might have been handed, we don't know what his motives were besides him not knowing what to say. There's one thing for sure. God did not like what Peter said. Verse number seven. And there are a cloud that overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. All of a sudden, Jesus and the men that were on the mountain were overshadowed by a cloud. And out of that cloud, the very voice of God is spoken. And He declares the supremacy of Jesus over the law and over the prophets. He's my Son. Hear Him. Hear Him. God does not tolerate Peter placing Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah. God is saying that Jesus is superior to both men and their message. After all, it was Jesus who gave them the very words that they wrote, wasn't it? It was Jesus that they were writing about the whole time. And God wanted Peter and the rest of us to know that Jesus is the final work of humanity. There's nothing else. There's no amendments. There's nothing needed to be added. It's Jesus and Him alone. That's it. 
People trying to, I mean, even today, people are trying to get right with God by keeping the law or by doing some religious thing. We are surrounded by people like that today. It wasn't just a, a, a situation in Israel. It's going on today. And those things will never, ever, ever be sufficient. Salvation, forgiveness, and, uh, and heaven will only come when a person believes on Jesus Christ for their soul's salvation. Acts 16.31 Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the Filipino, uh, Philippine jailer. Filipinos. You didn't know you were in the Bible, did you? Okay. I'm getting a little excited here. i got to calm down a little bit. God's advice to Peter in verse 7 is still great. It's the best advice for you today. Hear Him. Hear Him. If you want to go to heaven, you need to hear what Jesus has to say. John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Me. There's nothing else. There's no church. There's no way but Him. He is the only way. God speaks and immediately the cloud is gone. And suddenly... When they had looked around about, they saw no man anymore, save Jesus only with themselves. Moses and Elijah were gone. The disciples were alone with Jesus once again. Peter and others had allowed their focus to rest on other things, other people, instead of Jesus alone. You know what? We're a lot like Peter some days. And the other disciples, we allow other people and other things to take our focus off Jesus. We have to be so careful. It's something that we have to daily watch out for. That our focus is not getting off Jesus. That our focus is on Him. It's maintaining. And the day that it does, we're heading down a dangerous path. That we're focusing on other things. A purpose. The purpose as Jesus and men leave that mountain, uh, verse number 9, as they came down from the mountain, they charged them that they should tell no man what things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. And they kept that saying with themselves, questioning one with another what the rising from the dead should mean. Jesus and men leave that mountain. Jesus tells them, don't tell what you have seen until I rise again from the third, or rise again the third day from the dead. They didn't understand what he was meaning by all this. Because they would not or could not grasp the truth of the resurrection until Jesus had actually died and rose again. That was when they actually figured it out. And Jesus told them to keep this information to themselves for two reasons. They did not understand all the information they needed. And second of all, they didn't understand the information that they had received. Have you ever met someone who's giving you information they don't have a clue what they're talking about? It's chaos, isn't it? I, I remember asking some people one time I was in a, in a town. Uh, this is in Newfoundland, so you know, with different accents everywhere. And I was asking someone where this place was, and they did not have a clue what they were talking about. I ended up in a different town. They didn't have the right information to help me. They didn't understand what I was trying to say, and it was poof, just all with the chaos. If they had gone around telling everyone what they had seen, they would have confused and hindered the rest of Christ's earthly ministry. 
It would not have been a good scene. And as they come off the mountain, these three men are confused. They want to know why the scribe said that Elijah must come before the Messiah. Verse number 11. And they, and they asked them, saying, why must the scribes, why say the scribes that Elias must first come? I read that. I've been reading over the message this week. And I, why are you even thinking about this? You just saw Jesus transfigured. What? I mean, that must have been amazing. Why are you talking about scribes? Why are you talking about Him? You just saw what happened. You heard the voice of God. And you're talking about what the scribes said? What happened? But it's just a a representation of how we can get our minds, our focus, off Jesus on people and things. That's what's happening here with Peter and the other disciples. What, what, what's going on here? They said, we've seen the Messiah. They saw Elijah appear in the mountain and Jesus turns the focus from Elijah to himself. And that's where it needed to be. He tells the disciples that while Elijah will come, the Son of Man will suffer and be treated as nothing. And in verse 13 of this chapter, Jesus lets know that Elijah has already come, not literally, but in the person of John the Baptist. In Luke chapter 1, verse 17, it says, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah, sorry. And this... When this great man of God came, John the Baptist, he was put to death, wasn't he? We looked at that weeks, months ago now in in Mark. And the implication here is that the Son of God came to this earth and he too would be treated just as shamefully and more besides. They saw Jesus in his glory and they failed to comprehend the message behind the miracle. They, they just went, phew. it just went right over their heads. Now, I think there's some great insights for us here. Why this took place and why the disciples were there and things. I think first of all, it's to prove once and for all that Jesus is the Son of God. I think why this is one of the reasons why it happened. Jesus had performed many miracles, did He not? I mean, we had looked at so many miracles as we've been traveling through, journeying through Mark. And we've seen so many wonderful things. The feeding of 5,000, raising from the dead, uh, healing the, uh, the blind man. And there's leopards and all kinds of individuals. They had seen all these things. But this event was to prove once and for all that He is the Son of God. It's mentioned in verse number 7. This is my beloved Son. Hear Him. He, they saw all this, the disciples, yet His followers still doubted. They still doubt it. And this miracle proves that He is God in the flesh. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14, the same chapter. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, and the glory is of all the begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hey, folks, don't give up on that person who's just not quite sure if Jesus is who you say He is, keep working on Him. There probably was a time when you doubted too. And I'm so glad that someone kept working on your heart. I mean, I understand the Holy Spirit brought conviction, but someone kept telling you about Jesus. And you finally came to a position through the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I need Jesus. Don't give up. Don't give up on that person. He did this to challenge the disciples. Uh, the disciples have been raised to believe that obedience to the law 
and keeping of religious rituals was the means of salvation. That hasn't changed much. There's still lots of people in our world today who believe the same thing. They believe that if we'll just keep the law and we'll keep our religious rituals, we'll go to heaven. And this is a challenge to them here as well, to everyone. Here they're taught to trust Jesus and Jesus alone. That's it. That's a lesson that we would do well to take to our own heart. Amen. It's only Jesus. It's only Him. Works, religion, and good deeds will never, ever save anyone. Faith in Jesus alone is the means and method of salvation. It's the only way. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God that it works lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. To remind us that the cross was a choice that Jesus willingly made and not something He was forced to do. When Jesus appeared in glory on that mountain, He was simply showing to disciples and to us today that He was stepping out on, on His own accord. I'm doing this on my own accord. At His will, He could have left this earth, could He not? He had the power. He's the Son of God. He was then, He is now, and He will ever will be. And He could have left. He could have left at any time. And it did... did the, the laws of this earth did not stop him. He created this. Just to think about this. The world was made. The worlds, the billions of stars were made by his voice. Stop and think about that for a second. I stopped and thought about this that week, this week a lot. That he just spoke and it happened. He spoke and a star existed. And that's just one at a time. They all came into existence. That is unbelievable. I cannot understand how great God is by just speaking a word and the universe was created. That's unbelievable. I believe it by faith. I can't understand. That's beyond my mind. That's beyond my human comprehension. So he's not limited by the world. He came willingly. He loves you so much. He came to die for you and for me. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, willingly laid down His life on the cross because He chose to. Let that sink in for a moment. He chose to. He loves you so much that He chose to do that. Therefore, John 10, 17, Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay it down my life that I might not take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I, Jesus Christ, lay down my life for a world that rejects me, for the people who hate me. I come to die for them. I have the power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. This command I received of my Father. The idea is that man didn't take my life. I willingly gave it. I thought about that this week and I'm like, wow. What an amazing Savior. What an amazing God. What This is, wow. That's the best word I'd come up with this week. Wow. That He would love me so much. 
I already knew this. This is not new to me. I mean, I got saved uh, many years ago now, in 1995, and I mean, I understand that He loves me, but that's just I sat and, and you know soaked this information in. And once again, I was like, this is amazing. This is beyond comprehension that He would willingly do it for me and for you. Aren't you so glad for the grace of God? It's amazing. Let me give you a little illustration here. I remember when I um, I flew to Romania uh, with Brother Dale Tao. Got to Romania, you know, and we don't know how to speak any Romanian. You know, we are looking really out of place. You know, he's really tall, I'm really short. You know, and uh, like. Where do we go? Brother Stevens got caught in traffic to come get us at the Bucharest airport. I'll be honest, I was a little afraid to go outdoors because I didn't know where I was going. I did not know. And I would have never exited those doors until I saw Brother Stevens. Because once I get outside the airport, I don't know where I am. And he came through those doors and I mean, it was like, oh, thank you, Lord, that he didn't forget us at the airport. Because if he did, his support would have been cut immediately. But at any rate, uh, brother, yeah, you're back there. You listen to me, okay? So ever come to Indonesia, you don't leave me out, okay? Okay. So uh, he's like, oh, I'm so glad you're here. And he brought us through those doors. I'm dead serious. I did not go out that door until he came. And he brought us through those doors. And I saw new people, experienced new food. You know me, I love my food. And I... Got to meet new churches that, you know, they were looking for pastors and I got to preach. It was amazing. It really, it was a blessing. It was incredible. New language that I really never learned very much about, but I learned and heard lots about it. Hey, aren't you so glad that God takes us, or Jesus Christ takes us to the, the gate of salvation and brings us into a new life? I'm so glad for that. And as much as Bucharest was amazing and Romania was so cool, and I like to go back sometime and enjoy myself eventually. Oh, the grace of God is so much greater. So much greater. Opens up a whole new life. Amen? In this life and the one to come. Getting to know Jesus Christ will bring uh, you in line to experience the greatness of God in ways you never thought available or even possible. Hey, if I would have never stepped through that door of salvation back in April 1st, 1996, I would have never had the joy to see a whole family get saved. And I would never had the joy to see dozens of children get saved. I would have never have the experience to be a pastor. I mean, it's just endless when you step through that doorway of salvation with Jesus Christ. And He's the only way. He's the only way. If you, if you don't get nothing else from that leaving here this morning, Jesus is the only way. And it's not because Pastor Alcock said it or the fine people of Mississauga International Baptist Church said it. No, it's because Jesus said it. That's what the Word of God says. When you make that decision, oh man, it's unbelievable. It changes things. Nowhere in the Scripture, Gospel record I should say, can His glory and identity be seen any clearer than here. Jesus completely man, 
Yeah, completely the Son of God. He's the fulfillment of everything that Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets had said or wrote about. He brings fulfillment. Yeah. I don't, I, 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 I don't understand, for one, I'm not lost anymore. Praise the Lord, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. But I don't understand how the world finds fulfillment because they're chasing everything, aren't they? You know, I have fulfillment in Jesus Christ. It's through Him. And you can have that same fulfillment. He illuminates our days. Helps us to see what's right and what's wrong. And through my relationship, because of my relationship with Jesus Christ... I get to spend eternity in glory and seeing all His glory and all His greatness, not just a glimpse. Do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior this morning? Oh, I would encourage you to make that great decision. It's one that will change your life.